Maybe for Hodier, this is African Liberation Media. Uh, the day's date is February 13th, 6262, here with uh, Brothers Amos and Macaroo. Uh, I'm just, I've always been uh, fascinated with the overlap or intertwine between sports, race, economics, and society. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out the relevance of a comment made by ESPN's Chris Berman in his interview of Patrick Mahomes, the winning quarterback. He said that, uh, by the way, February the 12th is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So, you know, perhaps he saw some significance in mentioning that. Uh, that aside, a uh, couple of thoughts. Um, you know, as I travel through North Carolina, uh, you know, we live in an era where uh, the nation, the print media, the electronic media, basically they monopolize power and information. And uh, suffice it to say, violence has been narrowly defined. And I'm talking about internal violence as I observe the number of homeless people on the side of the road going north on 16 living in these uh, tents uh, which reflects the homeless situation nationwide uh, but this internal violence caused by ill health unemployment, humiliation, homelessness and this ongoing sense of impotence that grips all of us, many of us, uh, most of us, uh, you know, and to address these problems, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers in the hell hole, my folk in New Jersey and in Florida, I hope you're listening. You know, this perceived notion that actions to address the problems such as an increased wage relative to the standard of living uh, will lead to some extreme. In other words, you know, even in public education, you hear that uh, minimum wage will somehow lead to some type of alien ideology. You know, and just people believe this, you know, uh, that socialism is the ultimate end for these legitimate demands. Uh, but, uh, you know, reminiscent of this failed idea of integration, um, the perception that it would ultimately lead to interracial marriage or the mongrelization, that's the term I'm looking for, of the racist. Uh, and these ongoing tropes, you know, to justify some of the most heinous behavior. You know, the, the military-industrial complex and its monopoly over information, you know, is active in inventing these various realities. They invent realities, i.e. humanitarian intervention. You know, when the objective, if you listen to Ritter and Colonel McGregor and others, is to kill the natives and take the resources. And I, saw, I, I saw something that was very interesting. Uh, from a brother I was introduced to by 
Brother Macaru, uh, Garland Nixon, and he uh, connects the fact that uh, throughout the continent, uh, Western imperialism and the multinational corporations, they are losing their grip on hegemony, Africa being one of those places. And as a result of this, the Ukraine becomes an alternative you know, where Russia has over a trillion dollars in terms of uh, mineral riches. I had forgotten the fact that Brother Amos warned us of this over 30 years ago. He raised the question, what's going to happen to the African continent once they stabilize this old Soviet Union who has mineral resources that rivals the continent? You know, even in the independent Africa, a sovereign Africa, would the African continent remain viable given the fact that its natural resources when placed on the world market uh, would not uh, received, the African states would not receive uh, compensation, you know, given this surplus of, say, you know, Russian materials or materials in South America, you fill in the blank, to depress the natural resource, the raw materials coming out of Africa. You know, just a couple of thoughts, gentlemen. Once again, here with uh, Macaru and Amos, I'm Gullah Jack, gentlemen. I know you got some interesting stuff to talk to us about. Yeah, be before they go to the Jack. Uh, yeah, I think African people have always been uh, in a position when it comes to resources uh, ever since the Berlin Conference. You know, it, it has always been an exploitation of Africa and its resources. And now being in a position where we don't have much, we don't have a lot of manufacturing to actually um, refine a lot of the raw materials and resources ourselves uh we're we're in a position where people take advantage of corrupt leaders and get them to sell their resources uh for the lowest prices so that the people in the country don't benefit and it's not even just africa i mean this is the same thing happens in south america but um i know that this, the topic of discussion tonight is dealing with why there is a fear and resistance in teaching black history or black history being taught. And last week we touched a little bit on uh, the, the, the negativity of the African image in regards to the use of certain language, uh, the way we are depicted in movies, in music, et cetera. And before we get into the topic in discussing the black history, I, I wanted to sort of start with an article that I saw today on Africa News. And the title of the article uh, was France debunks misrepresentation of his troops in blockbuster hit Wakanda Forever 2. Uh, so this recently just came out. And here it says that the depiction of French soldiers in Black Panther 2 has angered France's Ministry of Armed Forces. In November, President Emmanuel Macron stressed that today influence is a strategic priority. So apparently, uh, here you have 
the French military personnel who can be seen in the movie wore outfits that resembled those who real life soldiers from the counterterrorism operation Barcane wore. This is what France is saying. And they're saying that uh, this negative depiction after nearly 10 years in Mali, which we know the tensions that have been there uh, with the French military and being forced to leave and being kicked out of Mali last year. Uh, they're saying that, you know, this influence from this movie is bringing more negativity to that relationship that they uh, had or is still strained between a lot of the West African countries and France. So this is just another example of the power of propaganda, the power of media for, for the people out there that feel like we shouldn't be concerned about the negative images that we see being depicted in regards to our people that are being displayed for people around the world to see. Uh, even governments take this seriously because they know that when you put something on a, on, on a TV screen or on a movie screen, they know the impact that it can have. And right now, France's reputation uh, amongst the Africans in West Africa is not good. So and it shouldn't be. They know that that uh, the same way that they know that African people will be negatively influenced by negative images, disrespectful images, degenerate images that they put on display, they also know that we can be empowered by powerful images and by powerful things in regards to our race. So this is why when people wonder, you know, why they never make certain, you know, movies depicting black people in a positive light or depicting us liberating, you know, ourselves out of certain situations or even telling the true history of things that happen is not because they, that they fear that the movies won't sell. You know, they always tell people, you know, we don't feel like the budget that we put behind it will, will reproduce the return on our investment. A lot of it has to do with them maintaining psychological mental power over people and using influence to do it i read an article uh i uh, saw a video excuse me last week and it was talking about the the guy who was the father of propaganda and it's a jewish guy I have to look his name back up uh, but i guess it's edward edward bernays sigmund freud's um uh... yeah yeah, nephew, I believe Edward Edward Bernays. Yeah, Edward Bernays, because the guy who was saying he was talking about it, he was talking about how this guy. I don't know if if the people who founded Netflix are I think related to this guy. Okay. Uh, but they you know he they talked about you know his impact in in you know propaganda and how it's used as a tool to condition the minds of people. So. You know, these governments, you know, they take this stuff seriously. It's not just we just sitting up, we're not just sitting up here talking about it like it's not a serious issue. This is why black people need to be demanding. Every time we see a disrespectful image, we need to be demanding that our people refrain from uh, offering any type of support, financial, mental, physical, any type of support to these movies 
until they're taken down. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that we have to start doing that is eventually we're going to have to start an organization that's strictly geared towards the African image. The same way that uh, you have the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, there needs to be an African Defamation League. Mm-hmm. Somebody that has a voice to when these negative in- images come out, they can be uh, they can be dismissed and 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 uh, looked at in a negative light versus the amount of celebrity class that we see promoting and celebrating these negative things about us. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, brother. We all concur, and uh, you know, the consciousness to withdraw our support from you know movies such as *Menace to Society* uh, that gained traction many years ago. Uh, in the organizational realm, we are lacking uh, think tanks. You know, we can name the American Enterprise Institute, the Rand Corporation, who uh, are able to indoctrinate their members and place them in policy-making positions. Now, we will not be able to do that, but of course, we can uh, develop some sort of a cultural theory that has never happened with us. Harvest Home, uh, I don't even know if it still exists. But that was one think tank that uh, think tank that uh, was ostensibly designed to promote the African interest the direction through a culturally based theory. Yeah, and it seems that, that you know, whenever you have organizations like, for example, like the NAACP or um, various black organizations. The focus, the primary focus is always on if racism is depicted from a white supremacy level towards black people in media and film, then they want that condemn, they'll condemn that as, you know, racism or anti-black racism. But there needs to be more concerted effort to condemn all of the negativity that we are inflicting amongst ourselves. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that uh, Dr. Wilson talked about. The major focus of many of these uh, Negro organizations, as well as the Congressional Black Caucus or Rockers, you know, along with uh, drinking scotch liquor, chasing each other's wives and dancing to the electric slide. You know, it's electric. You know, the fact that the agenda items typically deal with white racism and black poverty. And it was spelled out, spending their money. You're talking about self-inflicted behavior with the very people that they are condemning. You know, so, uh, (laughs) you know, in the final analysis, all you get are black grifters who rival white grifters, Mm. you know, who are interested in enriching themselves, even though for years they have postured as the conscience, the moral conscience of inside the American body politic. 
it was just a, it's just a farce, brother. And it's just one of the things that's just so disheartening uh, for me personally, you know, and I have to ask myself um, rhetorically, what happened to the grassroots agency? You know, clearly, you know, no instrument of power is as effective as taking a man to the mountaintop and showing him the kingdom below. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, the thing, uh, Macron uh, is on point, you know, probably just saying the right thing for the wrong reasons, but in terms of influence now being, you know, one of the most critical areas of power and with France being a country uh, that, you know, is extremely dependent on maintaining its neo-colonial empire in Africa. Uh, you know, they, they, they see what's taking place in Burkina Faso, Guinea, and Mali, three quote-unquote Francophone countries, you know, as an existential threat to their existence, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And their greatest fear is that uh, it, threat, it uh, spreads. Obviously, um, they don't have the uh, control of the Central African Republic. Um, and so now Cameroon, uh, Gabon, uh, the uh, Republic of Congo, not the DRC, but the Republic of Congo, what we used to call Congo Brazzaville, uh, where Theophilo Bingo is from. The, these become their, their critical uh, colonies, neo-colonies now along with Senegal, and Cote d'Ivoire. So, but but the, the, here's the interesting thing. So France went into Mali after uh, some of the uh, uh, forces, you may want to call them jihadists or whatever, after some of those forces uh, fled Libya after Gaddafi uh, was uh, overthrown and assassinated. And they started a, a rebellion in Mali that resulted in several coups leading up to uh, the final coup. France went in saying that uh, they were going to, uh, you know, get the uh, terrorists or the jihadists under control. And over a 10 year span, they were not able, they were not able to do that. And as a matter of fact, the condi conditions just continue to uh, deteriorate. The uh, terrorism is out of control. Mm -hmm. uh, and people started saying, we don't, what purpose does it serve to have these, these guys here? We need to get them out of our country. Mm -hmm. And so Mali and Bikini Faso now have taken the lead. And so Macron sees this as definitely an, as an existential threat, you know, to France's existence. But the, here's the interesting thing: uh, Barack Obama, uh -oh. David Cameron of the UK, and uh, Sarkozy of France were what I call the evil triplets during the war on Libya. The overthrow of Libya has now made 
the uh, Sahel area, area of Africa and now even other places of Africa, I saw a report in the, uh, the information that Brother Almost sent that says now that 48% of the terrorist activities in the world are taking place on the African continent. Now, how devastating this is compared to, you know, we just saw um, Muslims killing Muslims in Afghanistan just last week. They blew up a mosque, you know, doing the uh, prayers. I mean, this is, this is so insane. Uh, but, you know, this is the condition. France helped create the condition, okay, that led to these rebellions, and now... The chickens have come home to roost on France because you have, you know, a, a, at least a core group of leaders in at least three countries that uh, that say, "Hey, look, we clearly see where the problem is, and we're and we're going and we're going to do everything we can to solve it." So that's basically that's basically what's happening. So, so France is in France is definitely uh, in desperate straits in terms of in terms of trying to maintain control of their their neo colonies, which they absolutely must have, you know, not only for the resources, but also for the currency, right? The uh, the CFA franc, which is used in in in, in most of those countries. Mm -hmm. So. You know, this is this this is definitely a critical issue, and it, it it represents an opportunity for African people to throw off the yoke of colonialism. And I hope that uh, in the process, uh, the uh, insurgents in the Central African Republic, you know, called in the uh, the, the Wagner Group, the Russians, to assist them. Uh, you know, Mali has 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 called in, uh, called for some support from the Russians. I hope that their brothers and sisters running these countries, you know, have the uh, intellectual clarity, as Jake Carruthers would say, to play this game correctly, play both ends against the middle. You know, this is you know what we wish Lumumba had had time to do during the Cold War era and not be controlled by either one. Not be controlled by either one. So this is this is something that that, that we definitely need to uh to keep our eye on. And then I had um just wanted to show everybody this. I, I'll get it posted up um on uh on our Facebook page. But on the gray zone, if you guys can see this or not, but it's on it's on the gray zone, and I'll post it. And what it what it's about is that this this drive for uh, electric cars and electric sources for energy, okay. the heartbeat of 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 the materials that's needed. You know, for that manufacturing, is is the African continent, primarily the Congo, but also other areas. You know, they really don't know exactly where all you know the the cobalt, you know, the lithium mines are. 
but the, according to these sources, they are they are they are desperate. The United States, in particular, is desperate to control these resources, and the end result could could promises to be massive exploitation. You know of of of, of not only the African environment but on African laborers, including child labor. Wow. Okay. Now, now we just saw a report that Hyundai, a Hyundai manufacturing plant, I, I, I don't think they build the cars there, but they, 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 their major U.S. car facility, manufacturing facility is in Montgomery. They have, and so anyone knows who knows anything about manufacturing knows that you have to have numerous parts, you know, sub assemblies, everything is not necessarily manufactured right in the plant, right? You have, you know, uh, different components that are shipped in electronics and all kinds of things. A Hyundai plant in the United States has been using 12 and 13 year old immigrant children to work in their factories in Alabama. And then they're also looking now at, 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 at some of the other, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote, foreign car manufacturers for doing the same thing. And these all these children are like illegal documents. Uh, you know, they, they, they're illegal. They, 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 I mean, they, they, they don't have any documentation in terms of legality. And so they just this is happening right in the United States, but it, it will happen on a massive level in uh, on the African continent because of the drive you know, for these electronic components. And so in terms of what Dr. Ames was saying about Russia, I, I don't know how much cobalt and, uh, and, and, and nickel and, and, and the other uh, lithium and all of the things that are needed, right, for these electric batteries. So Russia, you know, Russia could be in a desperate need also, as well as China, for the resources that are, that are on the African continent. But I just... I just wanted to point that out since, you know, Jack mentioned it earlier, you know, in the, uh, in, in the program and, and almost mentioned, uh, you know, the situation that was going on with France. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that's a, that's a very good report by these, uh, you know, white radicals that run the gray zone. Uh, you know, that's a good, good. They, they produce good information. Max Blumenthal and company. Okay. Yeah, bro. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, we know you want to talk about the um, the fear and the resistance in teaching Black history. And uh, I know, Baba Makro, you uh, saw a situation that took place down in Alabama where some students were protesting an administration's decision to not allow them to teach Black history past 1970. So <laughs> specifically wanted them to exclude civil rights and slavery. Uh, from the Black History lessons uh, during Black History Month. You want to expound on that? Yes. Uh, it happened at a, at a high school in, uh, in Tuscaloosa County, Alabama. Either Druid or Tuscaloosa High. Uh, it had another name. Okay. I got it. So I got it. I've been flipping around trying to get a whole bunch of information so I can I lost okay. the page that I had it on. But anyway, 
So the students had been given permission to plan a Black History Month program. And so they planned the program. Uh, you know, we have it posted. Uh, we have the protest posted on our Facebook page. Uh, very uh, articulate you know, young sisters. And when the administrators saw what was in the program, they told them that the program could not include any black history prior to 1970. And that, that made a lot of us stop and think, now, what, what was it? Now, now, we understand this. We understand that the American empire is constructed on the foundation of lies and myths. Okay, and so as these the, the pillars of the foundation, the pillars that, that make the make on which the foundation rests, as they have been exploded, it's like you know the Columbus myth, for example, and you know the other things that have that have been exposed, you know, the the serial rapist Thomas Jefferson. I, I, all of these things are like assaulting the uh, psyche you know, the white supremacy dynamic because this is a, supposed to be a special place where, you know, uh, nothing but good happened. Ronald Reagan called it the, the shining, the shining city or the shining light on the hill or something to that effect. And so we raised the question, what is it about, about black history that creates so much fear and resistance and so I thought about it within, within the, the context of something that Dr. Maulana Karimba said. He says that we study history for three reasons, to learn its lessons, to absorb its spirit, and to emulate its highest achievements. So in, in terms of a spirit, in terms of lessons to learn, a spirit to absorb, and models of achievement to emulate, what is it? prior to 1970 that so struck them? You know, was it the radicalization of Dr. King 1967 to 68? Or was it Omar Wally Malcolm X's, uh, you know, internationalizing the struggle and making, you know, linking, linking to our brothers and sisters on the African continent? Was it the uh, students in the in the nonviolent student nonviolent coordinating committee who young people could look at look at that at the Kwame Torres and Ruben Doris Robinson and Dora Ladner and Faye Bellamy and others and say, wow, they they were not much older than us when they when they were moving from civil rights to black power. I mean, is it because they created the Lowndes County Freedom Organization in Lowndes County, Alabama, the original uh, Black Panther Party. Uh, was it the killing of six black children in September of 1963? The four young sisters that were killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church, along with the two brothers, 13-year-old Virgil Ware and 16-year-old Johnny Robertson. What was it? What was it? Was it the rebellions of Nat Turner and Denmark Vesey and pray tell, did they go all the way back to the Haitian revolution and 
the African origin of civilization. I mean, these people are absolutely at war within the same context. And almost we need to put that quote up from uh, Macron. That, that we really need to put that quote up. That quote needs to be front and center because people need to understand how important these, these people consider influence. You know, Dr. Amos Wilson in Blueprint for Black Power has influence as one of his uh, five critical areas of power, you know, of how it's used in order to uh, maintain hegemony. So, it, it, you know, it just, it just, it, it just raised a question. Um, I, I, I turned a bit, a little, a bit of it into a, a little article that, uh, that I wrote this week where, you know, I raised these, raised these questions, you know, was it, what was it that struck so much fear and what, what is it that they don't consider? Why do they want to focus on from 1970 forward? Is it because now they can point to the, the neo-colonial politicians like Obama and Harris, and they can point to all of the uh, bourgeois uh, oriented, you know, people who, identify with class more so than with, you know, ethnicity or, or, or African culture, you know, the Jay-Z's and all of these, all of these kind of people. They don't, they, 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 they don't see from 1970 to the present as a threat compared to prior to 1970. This is, this is just very interesting. The thought well you, well, you know, brother, when I listen to you, the uh, concept that comes to mind is black showcasing yeah, as a way to disempower the masses of people because, you know, the system can always point to Oprah and say, if you don't have a biscuit, it's your fault. You know, it's Ronald Reagan who made the statement, you know, who says that blacks are not doing well? Just look at Bill Cosby. You know, relative to the masses of people, uh, who are in or headed for die straits. You know, for every LeBron James, you know, you probably got 500 people of African extraction who are uh, on the precipice of poverty. But one thing that comes to mind, and it was uh, highlighted in uh, this picture called, uh, I'm trying to think of the name, it was with Forrest Whitaker, it was called uh, The Butler, I believe. You know, when Nixon was uh, articulating the need for black capitalism, in fact, it was Nixon who initiated the concept of black nationalism in affirmative action with real timetables vis-a-vis uh, -vis the thrust prior to 1970, you mentioned SNCC for black power. Black capitalism supplanted black power. You know, perhaps that was one variable. You know, I mean, you can have a thousand different correct answers, but uh, we remember Wilt Chamberlain, Sammy Davis Jr., and the great Joe Frazier, who was innocently used to uh, represent, uh, you know, this black representation, uh, as contrasted to, you know, Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, not to get too deep into it. Uh, but, you know, perhaps these are some of the variables. Um, and I think uh, Neely Fuller talks about it. Uh, you know, black showcasing being one element. Uh, he predicted that uh, futuristically uh, thousands of black people would be used to fill that role vis-a-vis -vis, 
during the time of my mother and father, you had Joe Lewis and Lena Horn. See, so you know, and it goes back to something that Wilson said again, uh, you know, uh, 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 years ago. You know, the system has several different personalities. You know, it can create a neo-colonial uh, 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 system strata to exercise its will. It can create a middle class uh, to make it appear from a world perspective that the United States is moving toward a more equitable society. It can create a, a, an underclass to justify repression. I can't remember the words he used. Uh, three different personalities, three different characters. Uh, it's just it's been articulated in so many ways. You know, even you know, uh, Gunnar Maradal. You know, once again, I think you're uh, from Sweden. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you oppress, maintain oppression, and make it appear to those that you are oppressing that we, the oppressor, are their benefactor? You know, he termed this as the American dilemma. Yeah, I think so, uh, uh, the, the well to answer your question too, uh, Macro, where you went through, you know, the different uh, historical reasons why whites may not want to teach this, want this history to be taught. Uh, number one is they fear what the information can do to their own impressionable youth hmm. uh, in this millennial. Uh, Gen Z, Gen X, I'm not sure what generation is being called of young students now, but Z, I believe. You know, they see the influence that a lot of stuff is having on their minds and they're losing their grips of the control of, in their eyes, the white domination over African people. Mm -hmm. Number two, they fear the potential that black people have they don't fear black people currently where we currently are, but they fear the potential mm -hmm. of what we can do. And, um, you know, it's interesting that the students didn't come back and say, hey, well, you know what? Under your rules, we're going to, the first day, we're going to start off our planned lecture by this ancestor, Amos Wilson. <laughs> that was, you know. Amos uh, from 1980s, 1990s. We're going to start with Amos. And then tomorrow, we're going to focus on Khalid Abdul-Muhammad. We're going to focus on Dr. Yosef Binyakinen and Dr. John Henry Clark. And then we'll hit you with a little bit of Chancellor Williams. Then we're going to work our way down to recent times, Micah Xavier Johnson. Brother, you created the curriculum right there. We just don't, we just don't have the daggum organization, brother. Yeah, you know, you I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, what, but never mind. I, I don't know what Brother Mariff is doing, but uh, <laughs> you know, it would be good if he, you know, would collaborate with you, uh, you know, to uh, come up with a viable uh, curriculum. I don't have the energy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Macaroon you know, has. You know, the thing of it is, almost I think is that. Um, they they apparently don't they, they they apparently believe that um that Amos and uh et cetera, Asa Hilliard, et cetera, et cetera, Marimba Ani are more confined to uh, academia. Whereas, you know, Martin, Malcolm, Kwame Ture, 
right, Huey Newton, Fred Hampton, they they had the attention of the masses. Well, we gonna people. go. Thomas said Carr was in the eighties. Yeah, they, they, yeah. A lot of African history you can hit from 1970 on that is still punch them in the mouth. There's a, there's a lot that you, that there's a lot that you, that, that, that you can definitely hit. Uh, there's no, that absolutely. Uh, but see, but what I was thinking was that because they made that demarcation, that should inspire the students to really want to study more. You know about that period because you know that is the period of our last mass based activity. That was the last time we had a mass based movement in this country, and you know there was still you know mass movements uh, on the African continent. Of course, you know they they are not making the, that the connection there. They were still you know the armed struggles that were still taking place on the African continent during the 1970s, 80s, uh, you know, 90s. And so, but I, I, I think they obviously, they obviously saw the pre-70s. And I would say if they were to narrow it down, I would say that their main focus would, would be on the 60s. And another thing too is everything from slavery to, they, they, if they say in pre-70s, Slavery, civil rights movement, uh, so that also acts out Jim Crow, etc. It it probably also is a focus to not continue this conversation around reparations, mm. um, because as you put out there on the uh, social media this week, in regards to the different what they call Pandora's box that mm -hmm. they feel will be open if black people are paid reparations. And, and it's funny that they always try to say paying people who are living today that did not live through uh, slavery. But what about the people who lived through Jim Crow hmm. that are still alive today? They should be paid reparations for that. Yeah. 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 They're paying descendants. They're paying descendants of of Jews who mm -hmm. who weren't alive, alive during the Third Reich. They're they're paying their descendants. As a matter of fact, even even the United States is paying. Barack Obama bent over backwards uh, when a uh, they they had this lawsuit against I think it was a French railroad company that that uh, moved uh, Jews from France in, in, in the concentration camps in, the, in, in New York. In the, huh? I said they ceased, they ceased that company's business operations in New York. Exactly, exactly, yeah. O o Obama put them under uh, such a severe threat, they, they weren't gonna allow them to do any business in the United States. And they had to pay like, what was it, $100 million? $100 million or something to, to that extent. Not to people who, you know, got transported to, uh, you know, Treblinka or Auschwitz or Buchenwald. They, these were descendants. So, you know, the descendants argument, you know, just goes out the window. But the interesting thing I found about that story is that 
you know, they try to claim that, you know, if you if you pay Africans and, 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 and they, they found them a Negro conservative uh, at Kentucky State University, which I guess is is basically now what you would call a, a black conservative HBCU. Uh, they, you know, they, they found this guy to, to, to make this linkage. But no one has ever said that paying Jews would lead to the paying of other people because certainly paying Jews didn't lead to paying African people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, a, it, it, it's just another attack because, you know, they see, you know, the movement in, in California, I think, to pay uh, each African citizen a million dollars or something to that effect, you know, where that actually comes about. I mean, you know, people are just, you know, uh, you know, if, if, if it was a football game, you know, they, they, they kick the ball off. And uh, the reparations movement, you know, maybe may now, maybe up, up to the 10 yard line, if that far, right? But they don't even want them to be there. You know, they, they want it to be a, they want it to be a safety or a touchback, right? They don't want to gain no yards. Yeah, yeah. That's, what people, that's what people in power do. They do whatever it takes for them to maintain that power. And, and uh, honestly, Europeans would be foolish to uh to pay reparations or give any type of resources to people like me you and Gullah Jack. <laughs> yeah, cuz they know how they know how they're going to be. They know how they you know, A lot of other negroes that take their money and spend it, but Oh yeah, they'll be uh, yeah, it'll be resources for, re- resources for what? On, cur- on curlies and smoke. Yeah, Cadillacs and Mercedes and, you know, Gucci and whoever. Um, Yeah. You know, and speaking, uh, you mentioned uh, Jim Crow um, there. Of course, Jim Crow is the system that we call American apartheid. Very interesting story out of Jackson, Mississippi, a city which is 80% black. Basically, the, the entire political structure of the city is controlled by African people. And I think most people consider uh, Chokwe Antar Lumumba to be, you know, very, uh, you know, uh, progressive, you know, uh, liberation oriented uh, politician. But it just shows the weakness of uh, of isolated city politics or even, you know, uh, county politics or whatever, because the uh, Mississippi State Legislature has is in the process of creating a white enclave within Jackson and Hines County that will have their their own court system, their own police department, and you know it, it the area will, will would include the area that will be uh, part of the enclave includes the uh, the, the state capitol building itself. And what I was thinking about in in terms of how they're able to do this, you know, the fact that uh, they just totally, they've totally ignored the infrastructure of Jackson. You know, once it became a city that was, you know, controlled uh, politically by African-Americans, they've just allowed the, uh, you know, the the, the water, uh, just total deterioration of it. They still have a water crisis in Jackson. And what I was thinking about is 
the, the reason why all of the areas to be effective, all of the areas of power have to be inextricably linked. And, and, and so when you control a city, right, that's dependent on the state, then how do you achieve any any level of, 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 of economic self-determination? And what I was thinking about, you have nearly every town in the Mississippi Delta is black controlled. And you have several in the black belt of Alabama. Now, what if what if these political leaders, and I think if you had, if you had people, you know, with the mentality of say Fannie Lou Hamer. If say, look, let's sit down, let's form an economic alliance, let's form economic cooperatives, so that they just can't isolate Jackson. You know, they, you know, we, you, you got Greenwood. Greenwood can, you know, Greenwood is say we, we're part of the alliance. Greenville, Mississippi, Cleveland, Mississippi. You know, all up and down the Floor County and you know Tallahatchie County, all these counties. You know, all the way down to Dallas County. Uh, uh, you know, where Selma is in Alabama, Perry County, where uh, Coretta Scott King was born, Lowndes County, where the Black Panther Party started, form, form an economic alliance. Uh, all, all, of, all, all, all of these communities are producing something. And, and now you have a power block so that they just can't isolate, you know, uh, the Lumumba regime in Jackson. We, this, this is the kind of mentality, this is what we need to to think about now, Chokwe uh, Anti, he, he can rely on the history of the, the Republic of New Africa because this is exactly what Imari Obadelli and the others were talking about in the 1970s, and his father was part of it. We can't just sit down and, and, and let our historical enemies just, just run rough, rough over us when, when, when we do have some other means, right? I mean, you know, make make the connection, you know, up to Mount Bayou and places like that, okay? Link up these, these black communities. The, I'll, I'll, you, have a, you have a major resource there if you could get the orientation, you know, focused, you know, in Macon County with, you know, Tuskegee University. You know, the problem is not immutable. You know, it, it can be dealt with if we, if we had the proper orientation, Okay. And this is what Amos Wilson talked about in Blueprint for Black Power. Yes, sir. Lacking the program and the leadership. You know? It just doesn't, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense because you don't have to roll over. No. You don't have to, you don't, you, 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 you don't have to roll over. I mean, you know, you link up with all those cities in the Delta and the Black Belt of Alabama, okay? Form economic cooperatives. This is what Fannie Lou Hamer was working on. Absolutely. As well, an addendum, that's, 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 that's all I got, brothers. Whatever y'all want to add as we get Yeah, yeah I'll just be very quick. Uh, got an article from Mary Jo, article of uh, The Last Word. Brother down in Florida, Marvin Dunn, uh, professor out of uh, Florida International University down in Miami. Uh, the article is titled The Whitewashing of Florida's History. Uh, of course, we recognize that in recent days, uh, Ron DeSantis has instituted this Stop Woke Act. And um, Brother Dunn, Marvin Dunn, Dr. Dunn, he has taken busloads of people to places like Newberry, where you had the Newberry Six lynching, 
uh, Rosewood, Florida, Levi County near Cedar Key, and uh, the place where Arthur McDuffie was, you know, brutally beaten to death, uh, suffice it to say, an antagonist who resents uh, these teach the truth efforts. Uh, white supremacist named David Emmanuel, uh, he said that he has had to deal with these uh, bastards of black folk every five years who come to uh, Rosewood, you know, just to learn about the history. He has been arrested um, on the basis of aggravated assault. But my point is, you know, there are some efforts being made to, you know, circumvent these uh, stymieing attempts on the part of uh, the Ron the Satans of the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find it, uh, Jack. We, we put the information out about uh, Dr. Dunn. Okay. Yeah, we had we had it on our page. I don't know if that's where uh, your, your friend got it, got it from, but... Uh, yeah, we we did in fact cover that when we we initially uh, dealt with the uh, when DeSantis initially rebelled against the uh, AP uh, African American History uh, course, uh, you know, which they've now basically uh, capitulated. Uh, you know, on here is right here, as a matter of fact. Yeah, 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 yeah. She faxed me an article. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we had it okay. up. We had it up, gotcha. like, you know. Gotcha. We had it up back in uh, January twenty fourth. Yeah, we put the, the the brother is part of a lawsuit uh, that uh, some aca some academic academics uh, academicians have filed against DeSantis because you know including not, brother including brother Benjamin Crump, I understand, right? Well, there's no ambulances involved, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, brother. Yeah, brother Dunn is part of that lawsuit. He's doing okay. Okay, he's doing good, he's doing good work down there. Uh, you know, retired from Florida International yeah. University. Yeah, just just an idea. Uh, oh no, it's 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 a good idea. It's a good yeah. idea. But you know, like, and we we get up early in the morning and get the information. So <laughs> yeah, we had it. We had it out there. But you know, we, success, we appreciate brother. we appreciate the uh, supplemental information that's you know provided by uh, Mary Jo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, the grapevine, pissed off after time. Okay, well, hey, somebody's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody's, In line with yeah, John Brown, Thomas Paine, Benjamin Lay, James Otis, and Thaddeus Stevens. Give them forty acres of the mule and leave them the hell alone. Well. There you have it. All right. Brother, I'm going to talk about, brother. Brothers and sisters, this has been another edition of African Liberation Media. Once again, if you're watching this on YouTube, please leave a comment. We appreciate all the comments, and it helps our viewers, and it helps us uh, with our engagement. And share this video with people that you think can use it. Until next week, and until next time, be for Hodi BB for 48. Okay. BB 48.